So today we end Faith Under Fire. We have learned many precious lessons along the way. And I don't want to spend a lot of time going back and forth into those lessons. You can catch us on Jakarta Central uh, Church on YouTube. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You know, you can catch up on the lessons. But basically in this series, I've been trying to tell you that when your faith is under fire, you need to light the light of faith. Don't allow the flames of any kind extinguish your faith. And that is very, very important. Uh, we've been looking at the life of Caleb and we've been studying his life in the context of his particular situation. And what I want to talk about today is specifically the last, the last or most common story of Caleb. We remember this story because it is Caleb achieving one of the greatest feats anybody can achieve, right? And I want to read that story, that passage, beginning in Joshua chapter 14, verse number 10. And I want to take us down to verse number uh, 15. Joshua chapter 14, verse 10 to 15. And the text is coming from the New King James Version of the Bible. The Word of God says, And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as He said, these 45 years. Mm-mm-mm. Ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Mm -mm -mm. Now, therefore, give me this mountain, Gunung in Bahasa. Give me this Gunung, of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there, and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Mm -mm. It's going to get good in a minute. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day. The text wants us to know that it really, became, it really became Caleb's. Because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron was formerly Kirjath Arba. That means city of four. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. Then the land had rest from war. Uh, this morning, allow me to label this sermon, Go Get It. Go Get It. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pause. Teach us how to get it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I processed a document this week in an office. I budgeted for about two hours to spend in process of this document. But my investment of two hours depreciated to three hours. Typically, when I'm waiting, I tend to find something productive to do. I turn waiting hours into productive hours. So typically in that season of waiting, I will read a book. I will fill my brain with more knowledge. But last Tuesday, while processing this document in this office, my brain became paralyzed. I could not think. 
I, I could not read. I could not even carry on a conversation with the person sitting next to me or distant from me. Jaga Jarak, you know what I'm saying? I couldn't reply to text messages. I was transfixed. I was fixated on the process to be, to be over. You see, waiting can cause paralysis of activity. In the journey of faith, we will have to do some waiting. We will crave for things from God. We will salivate for things from God. We will pray for things from God. But we may have to wait in order before those things are given to us. What is critical is what you do in the moment of waiting. How do you handle the situation? Will the wait paralyze your faith? To the degree that you fail to do anything until the wait is over and you get what you craved for. Canaan was craved for by Caleb. Caleb looked at Canaan. He spied out. He used his binoculars and he, 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 he investigated the land. And he discovered that this is a great land. A land to settle in. A land to plant roots in. A land to raise children in. A land to build farmhouses and to plant farms in. A land open to business. A land to bring in investment. Truly a land flowing with milk and honey. And Caleb discovered that on his faith-finding mission, he was able to match promise and possession. And that is what you're going to find. When you investigate the promises of God, we already talked about this four weeks ago, that when you investigate, when you go on a faith-finding mission, what God has promised is going to be real in terms of the possession, the picture, and the place are going to match. You see, Caleb salivates for this opportunity, but his salivation turns into salvation because his colleagues... Ten of them are not willing. They will not take a step of faith. And because of the unwillingness of his colleagues to take a step of faith, he must do what I call a faith pause. As consequence of the unwillingness of his colleagues, Caleb can go in. Caleb can't go get it. Caleb can't possess the promise because I need you to know that faith falls on its face from the clumsiness of doubt. It wasn't the clumsiness of Caleb's faith. Let me just say that one more time. Faith falls on its face from the clumsiness of doubt. I hope somebody can tweet that. It wasn't the clumsiness of Caleb that made him fall flat on his face. It was a clumsiness of the other, of the other colleagues that caused the people to melt in fear. And therefore God could not allow them to take possession of the land. And so Caleb can go in, but he doesn't allow his faith to go out. <laughs> 
Caleb can't go in, but he doesn't allow his faith to go out. In other words, in the moment of struggle, in a moment when his faith is under fire, Caleb keeps his fame, his faith aflame. And so I tell you this morning that when your faith is under fire, you need to keep your faith aflame. Now, Caleb was able to keep his faith aflame because of the centrality of the word. Beautifully, he puts it in verse number six of Joshua chapter 14, when he says to his buddy, his faith partner, who was the leader of the conquest of the land, Joshua, he tells him these words that I want you to pay attention to this morning. He says, your word, you know the word which the Lord, which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. You see, Caleb hung on the word of God. Caleb understood that faith grows based upon the reality of the word of God. Faith grows, especially when someone's articulation matches their action. Suppose someone articulates, I will come at 11 a.m. And surely enough, they take the action, the action necessary to make it at 11 a.m. And they come to the appointment at 11 a.m. And you meet them at 11 a.m. You see, what, what happens is your faith in that person is going to grow because, because, because articulation and action have matched. I need you to understand that a spoken word backed up by consistent action builds faith. It makes you believe. It makes you trust somebody. And I hope that I've just helped somebody right there. If you want to build faith and trust and confidence in a person, you need to be consistent with your articulation and your action. You need to do what you say you will do. And you need to do it in the very fashion that you have said it. I hope you understand what I'm talking about this morning. It is important that when you have told somebody, I'm going to make the appointment, you will make the appointment. It is important when you told somebody, I'm going to text you back in five minutes, that you text them back in five minutes. It is important that when you tell somebody you're going to do something, that you do it precisely the way you said it. Because when you do not do what you have said, when articulation and action do not match, guess what? A person's motivation diminishes and they no longer have the same confidence and trust in you. <laughs> but I'm glad this morning that God backs up his word with consistent action. God backs up his word with consistent action. And Caleb was, was an experiencer of the consistent action of God. God had articulated that I'm going to deliver you from Egypt. And surely enough, he took the action and he delivered it from Egypt. God had articulated, do not worry about Pharaoh. You move forward. When the time came for Pharaoh to attack, God took the action in protection. <laughs> the people had complained to, to God, we're about to die of thirst. We need water. And so God had articulated to Moses, strike the rock. And when Moses struck the rock, the action of the water gushed out of the rock and the people were able to drink. 
And so when Caleb was not able to enter the land of promise, when he was not able to get the promise at that particular moment, he had to wait for about 40 years before he could get the promise because he had seen God, a consistent articulator, a consistent actor. Therefore, when God spoke through Moses and told him that this is your inheritance, Caleb could believe what God had said because God had been consistent in his actions. Can I tell it to you like how I feel it? Can I preach it to you for a moment right now? You need to believe that what God articulates will be acted on. <laughs> you need to believe that what God declares, he's going to deliver. You need to believe that God, what God has promised, he's going to provide. You need to believe that what God says, you will see. Because God matches articulation and action. And we need to take a cue from God this morning that what we articulate, we need to act on. Do not do different from what you have said if you want people to believe and trust you. And so when Caleb heard the articulation from Moses that you're going to have this land, even though you have to wait for 40 years, God, Caleb believed that God would act upon this word. Now, when the word came to Caleb from Moses that you're going to have this land, even though your, your, your colleagues have rejected to go in now, Caleb had reached what I call the fourth floor of human development. He was on Lantai Ampat. That is, he had reached the age of 40. But when he's talking to Joshua in the text we read, he had transformed or he had stepped up from Lantai Ampat to Lantai Lapan. In other words, he had gone from the fourth floor uh, to the eighth floor. In fact, it was uh, floor 8.5 because the time he's now talking to Joshua, he's at the age of 85. So here it is. Caleb hung on to God's articulated word for 45 years. Caleb hung on to God's articulated word without action for 45 years. That means that his faith was on pause for 45 years. And hear me, and let me put it to you like this. A faith pause should be a season of gripping onto God's word. That is when there is a, a disconnect between promise and possession you need to hang on to the articulated word of God. There may not be action. You may not see things moving. But because God has declared it, you need to be holding on to the word of God. And Caleb hold, held on. He held on to the word of God. He held on to what God had, had articulated because he understood that what God articulates, he acts upon. And Joshua, I love Joshua because he really emphasized this point at the end of the book of Joshua in Joshua 21, verse 43, when he said, talking about God's articulated word being matched in action. This is what he said. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land which he has sworn to give to their fathers. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord has spoken to the house of Israel. Not a single word failed. Not a single action was failed. Everything that God had articulated was acted upon. And I want you to understand that that is how God is. And that is how God is going to perform in your life. And if you're in a season of waiting, it means that God has not yet uh, uh, given you 
or present you with the opportunity to act upon his word, what you need to do is to continue waiting. What you need to do is to continue hang on, hanging on to the word of God because you know, based upon your experience with God, is that he comes in and he shows up. You see, I had to wait for three hours to get my document. And man, three hours felt like 40 years. But Caleb had to wait for 40 years. It lasted for a long time. But the question is, what was Caleb doing when he was waiting between articulation and action? What was he doing in between? I want you to understand, according to uh, Numbers 14, verse 33, God said it to, uh, to those uh, people that did not want to go in. This is what he said. Your sons are going to be shepherds and they're going to go around in the wilderness, around and around. They're going to be shepherds. A shepherd is somebody who cares. And so in the moment that Caleb is in the wilderness, he was a shepherd. He was caring for something that God had given him to do. You understand Jesus, that he had to wait for 30 years. But in 30 years, Jesus was not doing nothing. Jesus was working at the carpentry shop. And so in the moment when you are waiting, in the moment when you're in a pause, in the moment between articulation and action, you need to be caring for something. Caleb was a shepherd. What are you caring for? What are you doing for God? What are you acting upon? Because in a season of waiting, you should not be paralyzed in your faith. You need to be acting. You need to be doing something. And that is why I want to tell you that a faith pause should not make you a statue. It should make you somebody who is acting <laughs> and active. Oh my goodness. So don't wait. Doing nothing. You got to wait. Doing something. What is the task that God has given you right now to be caring for? You have to be a shepherd over something. Perhaps this is a moment when you need to shepherd your ability to speak. You need to take care of that. How do you take care of that? You, you, you start to read books on speaking. You, you, you start to figure out how can I be a better speaker? What should you shepherd over your life? Yes, you're waiting for God to give you that job. You're waiting for God to come through for your family. You're waiting for God to take your business to the next level. I understand. But what are you doing while you're waiting for God to act upon his articulated word for you? And so Caleb was not sitting beside and doing nothing. His faith was a flame. It was ablaze with activity. And yes, after a 45-year pause, Time came for Caleb to acquire his promise. And so he went to his buddy, Joshua, and he says to him, look, man, for 45 years I've been waiting. God promised me this land. I've been waiting for 45 years. In fact, since we entered Canaan, it's been about five years. I've been helping you to conquer this land. But I think it is time for me to acquire what God has promised for me. I've been waiting. And it's time for me to get what I need because I am so strong. I'm so ready. I'm so I'm ready to have this. And this is what he tells Caleb. He tells Joshua. Look at what Caleb tells Joshua in verse number 12. He says, because I'm ready. He says this. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord has said. It, show, it, it shows me something here that I need you to understand. 
Just because God promised it doesn't mean that he'll hand it to you on a silver platter. Just because God has promised you something, it doesn't mean that God is going to be like, here you go. It doesn't mean that God is going to knock on your front door, you know what I mean, and deliver it. God is not going to be a gold jack or a grab bike for you to bring to, to, to bring stuff to you. God will need you to go get it. Just because God has promised, it does not mean that he's going to give it to you. You see, Caleb is one of five people in the book of Joshua that made a request specifically to Joshua about an inheritance. And they tell Joshua, Joshua, I want you to give me this particular land. I want you to give me this. I want you to give me that because I want you to understand that God's promises require a petition. No wonder Jesus often asked those who came to him for healing. They asked, Jesus would ask, what do you want? What do you need? Because I want you to know that God wants you and me to know exactly what we want. He wants you and me to know exactly what we need. We should have a clear mind on exactly what God is trying or what we want God to do for us. Don't grope in darkness with God, but come to him with a clear light of specificity. Go to him in prayer. You want a job? Tell him what job you want. You want health? Tell him how God, you want God to heal you. You want money? Tell him how much. You want the position? Tell him how high. You want to go low? Tell him how low. You want to travel? Tell him how many countries. You have to tell God specifically what you want. And many of us, we go to God, Lord, thank you. Please give me health today. What health do you want from God? We go to God, Lord, you know, listen, tell God exactly what it is. It's not spiritual pride to tell God what is in your heart. Anyway, he knows it anyway. I mean, how shameful it is. You know you want $500, but you're asking God for $250. How shameful that is. God is saying, you know you need $500. Why are you asking me for $250? So don't grope about in darkness, but go to God in the light of specificity. Tell God clearly what it is that you want. And I want you to understand that Caleb made a specific request. Caleb said, give me this mountain, Gunum in Bahasa. Give me this Gunum, right? He said, he, he knew what he wanted. He knew what he wanted to get. And you and I must know what we want God to give us. And I, I want to tell you, my brother, my sister, you need to define your mountain. What is your Gunung? And notice a Gunung is not something that you cannot see. A Gunung is not a valley. A Gunung is not flat. A Gunung is something that you can see. What it tells me is this. Whatever you ask God should be seeable. Whatever you ask God, you should be able to look at it. Whatever you ask God should be something great. So my brother and my sister, stop acting on the low level. You need to start acting on the higher level and start seeing God as a mountain giving God. You need to specify your mountain this morning. What is your mountain this morning? Is it that degree? Is it that family? Is it that job? Is it that health? Is it that promotion? What is your mountain? But whatever your mountain is, you need to be specific with it because you know that God is a grand God. Because you know that God is the one who created the mountains because you know that you're not dealing with a, uh, a manager of a company. You're dealing with the creator of the universe. Caleb made a difficult request. He said, 
this mountain. A mountain of giants. A mountain of great cities. A mountain of fortified cities. Caleb knew that he would need effort to get this. He knew that it would be difficult. Uh, the sons of Joseph in Joshua 17 verses 14 to 18 come to Joshua and they tell Joshua, Joshua, you know, this mountain is too difficult for us. Please give us the valley. This is what Joshua says to the sons of Joseph. He says to them, if you are a great people, then go up to the forest country and clear a place for yourself there in the land of the Perizzites and the giants, since the mountains of Ephraim are too confined for you. You see, God wants us to ask for things which we will develop. Uh. Caleb understood that on the mountain is going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. But if I can get the mountain, I'm going to be able to grow in this situation. It's going to be a process of self-progress and a process of self-development. That's number one. Not only that, I'm not only going to grow uh, personally, but I'm going to be able to transform this situation into something great, into something powerful. And so when you are asking God for something, ask God for something that you know you're going to change. Don't ask God for things that are already done, that are already prepared. No, you should be, you know what? This thing is not sorted out. I'm going to sort it out. This company is in a mess. I'm going to make it not mess. I'm going to change the situation. I'm going to bring a change right here. So do not make requests that are easy. Make requests that are difficult enough. Caleb made a majestic request. You see, Joshua and the army had defeated the inhabitants of the mountain, the Anakims. And you know how it is when you turn on lights, roaches flee. But when you turn off the lights, the roaches come back. And so even though they had defeated some of the Anakims, the Anakims had fled away. But when the Joshua and the army vacated this mountain and they went to Gilgal, what happened was that the roaches in the Anakims came back to the mountain. But it was God's purpose that every part of the land of Canaan should be dispossessed of the former inhabitants. You should clear out what has been there. You should remove it. And so Caleb understood that unless we deal with the Anakims once and for all because they had come back, I'm not going to be able to achieve the purpose of God. And so when Caleb wanted this mountain, it's because he saw the majesty of purpose in God's vision for his life. Let me say that again. He saw the majesty of purpose in God's vision for his life. He saw that he could be a conduit to bring about God's purpose and God's vision. And so he had to stand up, an old man, 85 years old. But he says, I have to go fight because God's vision is that we need to remove all the inhabitants. And that is why he says at the end of verse number 12, it may be the Lord will be with me. And I shall be able to drive out, I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord had said. You see, God wanted the land free of foreign invasion. Because he understood foreign invasion will bring about a faith perversion. Mm -mm -mm. I wish I had time to get into that. God understood that if the original inhabitants continue to habitate the land, they're going to bring about a terrible situation because the new Habitants 
of the land will now start to cohabitate. <laughs> They'll start to cohabitate with the old, old inhabitants of the land. And when you cohabitate in a situation that God has an envision and plan, there's always a problem. I'm not going to get into that. And so Caleb understood that we have to remove these inhabitants so that we do not get perverted in our faith because he saw the majesty of purpose, because he understood that God has his vision for my life. You see, when you know what God envisions for your life, then you will do things, you ask for things that will align with the vision of God for your life. You will ask him for things that will move you to a particular situation. You might say, you know what, I'm going to leave this situation. I'm going to leave this job. I'm going to leave this place. I'm going to leave here or whatever. I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to transform how I manage my money because I realize I understand that God's majestic purpose is leading me in this particular direction. God has a vision for my life. So Caleb could see the majestic purpose of God and he knew that unless he conquers this mountain then he cannot achieve, Frankie, that vision that God had for his life. I have wonderful news for you today. If it is God's vision for you to be rich, you're going to be rich, no matter how difficult it is. If it's God's vision for you to have two degrees, you're going to have two degrees, no matter how difficult it is. If it is God's vision for you to have three to five kids, you're going to have three to five kids, no matter how difficult it is. Because whatever God intends for your life, whatever God envisions for your life, he's going to make it happen. But the question is, are you willing to line up with the majestic vision. Are you willing to say, Lord, give me this mountain? It's not developed. It is still rugged. It is still jugged. But Lord, <laughs> with you, I know I'm going to be able to achieve it. Caleb made a prepared request. He told Joshua, listen to this. Behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said. These 45 years, and now here I am this day, 85 years old, as yet, as yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. You see, Caleb just didn't ask for this land without necessary preparation. He was physically able to acquire the land. That is why he says, look, I am strong today as I was the day when God made the promise. So I'm actually prepared. I'm actually ready. What it tells me is this, is that Caleb understood that God has been so faithful to me, that God has been so good to me. Therefore, the only way I can repay the faithfulness of God is for me to attack the mountain. But what it tells me as well is that for 40 years, for 45 years, when Caleb was waiting between articulation and action, is that he maintained a go-getter attitude. That is, he nurtured a go-getter attitude. That is, every day of those 45 years, he was thinking and dreaming about the piece of land. That is, I know one day I'm going to get it. That is, he, to use colloquial expressions, he remained hungry. He wasn't satisfied. 
He wasn't satisfied to get into the land. He wasn't satisfied to be wandering around. But he said, Lord, I want to get my peace. I want you to give me what's mine. And for 45 years, Caleb kept it alive. I'm reminded of Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony is a, is a basketball legend. In fact, for a period of time, he was one of the top players in the NBA. After playing for the Knicks, he played for Oklahoma uh, Thunder. Then he played for the Houston Rockets. But after those experiences with those teams, he kind of fell off the basketball map. In fact, for one year, no team wanted to hire him. But for one year, Carmelo Anthony would go into the gym. He would exercise, do basketball drills, shoot his shots. Until one day last year, the Portland Trailblazers called Carmelo Anthony. And the moment that they called him, he was prepared and ready. In fact, they installed him in the game. The first game back, he scored a lot of points. You see, Carmelo Anthony, even though he was not in action, he stayed prepared. He was not inactive. And that's what you and me need to understand. That in the season between articulation and and action, we need to stay prepared so that when we, 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 we must attack our mountain, we will actually attack the mountain with the right kind of preparation and the right kind of thunder. That is you and me need to stay ready and prepared. Right now as you're waiting, it is time to stay uh, level-headed. It is time to study those books. It is time to make those plans. It is time uh, to create those visions. It is time to put the necessary effort into your exercise program right now. Yes, I understand that we cannot go out and, and move around. But right now, when we are waiting for countries to open up again, it is time to prepare. Right now, it is time to get ready. And that's what faith does. Faith does not say, I'm going to do it when it's, it's time. No, faith is to believe that if I prepare enough, if I do my part enough, when my number is called, I'm going to hit it with some thunder. When my number is called, I'm going to be ready. And so Caleb stayed ready for about 45 years. How ready are you? How ready are you? Hmm? Are you ready whenever you're called upon to sing? Are you, are, do you stay prepared? Or you only prepare when somebody calls you to sing? How prepared are you to preach? Are you only prepared when somebody says you're going to preach? Or you... Keep a message in the back. How prepared are you to give somebody money when they ask for it? Do you keep a little change in your wallet? You must always have a mentality that something is going to come in my way. And when it comes my way, I should not start to prepare and get ready. No, I should start. I should be ready when my number is called. And that is what makes some of the greatest players uh, in sports, that when they are called upon to act and to perform, they are ready to perform. And once they, they get the chance, they never look back. And you and me need to be spiritually prepared that when we ask God for our mountains, whatever mountains they be, whatever gnomes they may be, we are ready to attack it the moment God delivers it. I spoke to a buddy of mine on, on Sunday and he, he told me, hey, bro, I've, I've decided to take a little bit of time and take a little bit of a break. I said, oh, that, that's cool. That, that I understand. He says, but you know, please believe that I'm going to continue studying. Please believe that I'm going to continue to do stuff. I'm going to continue to study further. I'm going to continue to do stuff. And that is what you and I need to do. 
maintaining what I call a go-getter attitude. Maintaining that ability that, yeah, Lord, when it's time, I'm going to do it. You see, the time between promise and possession is a time of readiness. The time between articulation and action is a time of readiness. Uh, the time between promise and, and, and provision is a time of readiness. Between the spoken word of God and the time you see what God has said is a time of readiness. And so Caleb said, give me this mountain. He was ready and he attacked it. You see, Caleb's desire to go and get the mountain by Joshua was given to him. In fact, Caleb was blessed. Joshua blessed Caleb. He says, Caleb, you can go and have this land. It is yours. You can have it. You can have it. Because I want you to understand that when you have made a request from God, he's going to give you the request that you have made. You have to say, God, please give me this. God is going to give you what you're asking you're asking for. You see, the mountain, what I need you to understand is that even when you have asked God for whatever you want God to give you, you must understand that whatever God grants you must change the trajectory of someone's story. Whatever God gives to you, whatever mountain you require, acquire, should change the trajectory of someone's story. You see, this mountain had a great history. It's at this mountain where God promised Abraham the land of Canaan. Sarah was buried on this mountain. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Rebekah were laid to rest on this mountain. But when the Anakims came and started living on this mountain, they, they changed the mountain and the mountain became the city called Kirjath Arba. Kirjath Arba means a city of four. Uh, and basically, this was a mountain that the greatest and the, the most powerful people were living at, the giants of those times. So the mountain was representing human pride and power. But yet the history was a mountain on which God had made a promise to Abraham that I'm going to give you this land. A mountain on which the patriarchs were buried it was a mountain of promise but these anakims changed it into a mountain of human power they changed a, a holy a good trajectory and they started to bring it down but caleb by god's power and god's grace according to the text we we don't have the details until you read later on in, in chapter 15 but caleb was able to defeat the anakims the three, three sons of Arba, he was able to defeat them. He was able to have victory because he had the power of presence. God was with him. His faith partner, God, was guiding him and leading him along. When Caleb defeated the Anakims, he could have called the city the city of Caleb. I mean, who doesn't want to name a city after themselves? Who doesn't want to do that? But Caleb does not call it the city of Caleb. Caleb changes the name Kirjath Arba to the name Hebron. And the name Hebron means alliance or association. Because Caleb understood. He saw that the history of this mountain was that God 
and Abraham had created an association of faith. It is a place here where God and, and Abraham had created an alliance of faith. And Caleb wanted to bring back the trajectory of that history. He wanted to bring it back because he realized that the Anakims had changed it. And so he took this place and he called it the name of association. It is on Hebron that uh, those who had killed by mistake could run and find refuge at. They could associate and be protected and be safe. It is at Hebron that, uh, that David, when he had been dissociated from Saul, he ran to Hebron and right here the, the, the Israelites made an association, an alliance with David and he became their king. So David changed, uh, Caleb changed the trajectory of this mountain and he made it a place of association. He made it a place that was different. He made the place a blessing. And so that's what is important, brother and sister. That when God has given you a mountain, is that you want to change the mountain and make it a blessing. You want to change a negative history. You want to change a negative situation and make it a positive situation. The company has always been had this bad reputation. But when you have conquered the mountain, the company should have a good reputation. Your ministry should have a good reputation. Your family should have a good reputation. When you have conquered the mountain, that should have a different story. It should change someone's story. It should be a blessing in someone's life. You see what Caleb did reminds me of what Jesus did. Because Jesus climbed up the mountain of Golgotha. There Jesus conquered the giants of faith called sin. There Jesus bled and he died for your sins and mine. So that he could once again allow you and I to associate in the presence of God. He could allow you and I to have an alliance with God. We are on the outside. But Jesus brought us in because he, listen to me Frankie, he climbed up Calvary's mountain. There Jesus was hoisted up on the cross so that he could give us a way out. So that you and I could have an alliance and an association with with God. Jesus climbed up on Golgotha's mountain so that you and I could climb up on Mount Zion's, Mount Zion. So that you and I could climb up on the new Jerusalem, according to Isaiah. And I want to read these beautiful words of association, talking about how you and I were given alliance with God because of what Jesus did. This is what Isaiah says. He says, now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains <laughs> and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Notice this, all nations shall flow up to the mountain of God because when God changes the trajectory of your story, mm -mm -mm, it flows against gravity. <laughs> Listen to me, my brother. When God changes the trajectory of your story, it flows against gravity. You see, this gravity, I, I call it the gravity of human pride and criticism. People may be like, no, that's not you. You're like this, like that. But it doesn't matter because when God has changed your story, it becomes a different story. People may not believe it. It may not be the norm, but it's what God has done. It may fight against the gravity of human expectation. But as long as God has changed your story, brother, continue to climb up and to rise up with God. You have a place at the mountain of God. 
You have a place to ally with God. You have a place to form a partnership with God. You have an association with God. You have an alliance with God. And I want somebody to hear that this morning. That God wants you and him to enter into an alliance. He wants you and him to be in a close association. You are his. And only if you would say, God, I am here. He's going to accept you. God wants to change the trajectory of your story. This is why Jesus conquered Golgotha's here. Because he wants to change the tra- trajectory of your story. He wants to defeat the giants of sin in your life. The Lord wants to defeat the giants of pride in your life. The giants of sadness in your life. The giants of pressure in your life. The giants of pornography. He wants to defeat those. The giants of addiction. He wants to defeat those. And he already did because Jesus climbed up on Golgotha's mountain. And when you enter an association with Jesus, you're going to be able to slay your giants. Just like Joshua and Caleb was able to slay his giants. And you're now going to sit and stand on top of your mountain. And you're going to be in a good association with him. And the beautiful thing is this. Caleb's victory prepared the way for the enjoyment of those who sought refuge on Hebron. It prepared the way for those who would come like David and find a place. For seven years, David stayed in Hebron. What I'm trying to tell you is this, is that those who will stand on your shoulders should find the trajectory of history. That is, let them not find a trajectory of defeat but a trajectory of victory. Let them say, alcoholism ended with my father. Let them say, my my parents killed the dead history in our family. Uh, Let them say, adultery hung on the tree that my brother built. Uh, Let them say, my church built a fellowship of love. Let them say, my health is wealth because my parents made health wealth. Let them say, I don't lie or cheat because I never seen my friends do it. Let them say, I have sexual purity because I have never seen sexual impurity in the history of my family. Let them say, I don't criticize people because I've never seen anything like this done in my family. Let them not find a trajectory of defeat. Let them find a trajectory of victory because the mountains you climb, the victories that you get, you are preparing others who are coming behind you so that they can stand on your shoulders of victory and achieve and overcome. You see, I believe that our descendants, yes, I'm going to have descendants one day. You are going to have descendants one day if Jesus doesn't come. I believe that our descendants must climb on the mountains that should have been conquered by you and I. Let them not fight the same fights. No, let them not fight the same fights. Let them wage different fights. Let them progress and develop the victories that you have achieved. You're responsible for what others are going to find behind you. And that is why it is important this morning that you go get that mountain. That is why you need to ask in faith this morning. I want it, Lord. I got to have it. I need it, Lord, because somebody is coming. Somebody is going to stand on my shoulders. I want to build a right foundation. I want to get my mountain. I want to get my mountain. 
I want to conquer in victory. I want my story to be written in victory. If it is your wish, why don't you pray with me this morning? Let us pray. Father God, I thank you that victory is assured when you are beside us. There are mountains in front of us, but Father, we want to go get them. We want to be victorious. We want to overcome. We want to achieve. And so, Lord, we throw ourselves into you, into your arms, into your strength and into your might. Please, Lord, teach us your truth and teach us your will and help us and guide us and direct us. Father, we love you and we appreciate you. Please, Lord, give somebody victory this morning. Please give somebody victory this day. This is my prayer. This is my hope. In Jesus' name. Amen.